0: The Republican-led North Carolina Senate has now voted to override four of Governor Ray Cooper's vetoes, my good friend Ray, bringing the chamber's total number of veto overrides this legislative session to six. I don't even know what number Cooper is up to with his vetoes. It's like, I think, 720 or 21. something. I lost track. Two of the bills that he vetoed Senate Bills 299 and 331 had originally passed the Senate unanimously, unanimously, but he vetoed it. And then after the veto, all of the Democrats in the Senate voted to sustain his veto. So what does that mean? It means they flipped their votes, except for one, Mike Woodard from Durham. He voted to override the veto on those two bills, 299 and 331. 299 is, uh, this is a bill that, again, bipartisan, everyone supported it. It had the support of State Treasurer Dale Falwell, a Republican, and State Auditor Beth Wood, a Democrat. They urged lawmakers to override the governor's veto. Both of them did. What does it do? It increases penalties on local governments if they don't turn in financial reports on time. That was, that's what Senate Bill 299 does. I mean, this is, hardly, this, is, this is hardly some controversial measure. 299, according to, is this Carolina, no, this is Will Duran's piece at WRAL. 299 allows the state government to seize sales tax revenues from local governments if they don't submit their audits on time. It comes on the heels of the state having to take over small towns that ran into financial issues in recent years. Spring Lake, North Carolina. The town's former finance director pleaded guilty last year to embezzling more than half a million dollars from the town, right? So if you're not turning in the audits, and then the state has to come in and bail you out because of corruption, the state says, hey, you know what? Maybe we should increase the penalties if you don't comply with the audits to make it hurt. Why? To make you comply. So you submit the audits. So this way the state has a a heads up that something is amiss. They wrote, uh, the auditor and the treasurer wrote a joint statement. That these changes in the bill are going to help local taxpayers not hurt them. But Democrats didn't care. (laughs) What matters more is, is making sure that Roy Cooper maintains... As much lame duck power as he has. That's what that's about. Eight of the nine Democrats flipped their votes. They caved, which is a testament to how much he is, well, either, st- well, he's either feared or needed in the North Carolina Democratic Party. Why else would you flip your vote on this except to protect Roy Cooper's power? That's it. Or you're afraid of something that he's going to do to you, like he did to Kirk Devier, Democrat senator that he uh, that Cooper targeted for defeat in a primary, which, by the way, worked. Val Applewhite beat him. Val Applewhite got a whole bunch of uh, money from Cooper and his allies and uh, a lot of support, campaign endorsements and all sorts of stuff like that. And she beat him in the primary. That message was received loud and clear, apparently. Again, this speaks to the, uh, uh, the criticism that Trisha Cotham, state representative, uh, Trisha Cotham had about the North Carolina Democratic Party, that if you, you break ranks, they come after you. They seek to defeat you. After voting to support these bills, Democrats have decided that loyalty to the party's leader is more important than good policy. Democrats have a constituency of one, and that one is Roy Cooper, said State Senator Jim Perry, Republican from Lenoir. Okay, Lenoir, yes, I think it should be Lenoir. That's just, it; that's the way it's spelled. On Tuesday afternoon, State Treasurer and, and uh, uh, Dale Falwell and Beth Wood put out their statement saying the taxpayers are going to be hurt by this lack of transparency, they urged Uh, The sustaining of the veto or uh, sorry, the overriding of the veto. But Democrats, uh, they broke eight of them at least did. One did not, Mike Woodard. And so it allowed the state Senate to override the veto. What that tells me is. Woodard was the one guy. Everybody knew that they didn't want to cross Cooper. They didn't want to send a signal of weakness. So just peel away the bare minimum to override the veto and, you know, Mission accomplished. Eight of the nine get to dodge any kind of fire from Cooper, but the the bill becomes law. What else? Uh, the Senate also overrode Cooper's veto of Senate Bill 364. This is the Non-Discrimination and Dignity in State Work Act, or as I call it, the NDSW, or the NDSW for short, which originally passed the chamber with a 30 to 15 vote. So that means three Democrats signed on to it. The bill would ban the state government from requiring employees or job applicants to publicly adhere to an ideology or, quote, affiliations, ideals or principles regarding matters of contemporary political debate or social action as a condition of employment. Despite initial initial support from three Democrats, they all voted to sustain Cooper's veto. But it doesn't matter because in the Senate, they have enough votes to get by. Republicans do. So that that got overridden. Uh, It goes to the House. Senator Warren Daniel, who is a Republican from Burke County, he is the lead sponsor of this legislation. And he says it's about protecting state employees. First Amendment rights, speech, assembly. Right. The government should not be requiring employees to think in a particular manner. This is their argument. You, 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 cannot, you cannot abridge people's First Amendment rights in order to get jobs. You can't screen people out using code words in order to find out if they are down with the DEI. And that's what this is about. The DEI. It's unclear, according to Will Duran's piece at W R E L. it's unclear if the bill would ban all future HR training focused on DEI or diversity equity, and inclusion. Democrats believe that the bill's in, that, that is the bill's intent. It's broadly written to ban training that touches on any of a dozen broad types of ideas related to Marxism. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, sexism, white privilege, systemic racism, and other related topics, such as Marxism. But Republicans have tended to avoid answering that question directly. I gotta say... A lot of Republicans got to, y'all got to read up on what it is that you are fighting. You need to articulate these arguments way better than you're articulating them so far. Tuesday's veto override passed along party lines with every Republican voting for it, every Democrat voting no. So we're going to go over some of what DEI is about. And we're going to rely on a fellow by the name of James Lindsay. He's got a website called New Discourses. I've been following James Lindsay for years. Ever since he and uh, two colleagues of his, Peter Bogosian and uh, Helen Pluckrose, they put together a series of papers to expose the corruption of the, quote, soft sciences, specifically gender studies, feminist studies, right, the stuff that we now would consider "quote woke," they were the ones that put the paper into the uh, peer-reviewed journal and got it published about racist dogs at the dog park that wouldn't play with other dogs of a different color. Right. They they rewrote Mein Kampf, Hitler's autobiography, and they just swapped out some of the some of the words to make it woke. Yeah, stuff like that. They submitted like more than a dozen papers, and like half of them got published it exposed it was an embarrassment for the field so so he has continued this work and what he will tell you is what is like when you when you hear the word equity in diversity equity and inclusion equity is the goal what is it he says it's a rebranding of socialism that's it consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. So after widespread Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, some universities, in other words all of them, began asking potential hires their views on diversity equity, and inclusion. The medical school at UNC Chapel Hill went a step further by telling faculty to engage in pro-diversity actions like mentoring minorities, reading a book about race for a book club. Well, that policy has since been repealed and similar ones banned by the university's Board of Governors. But lawmakers want to stamp it out statewide, D-E-I. Will Duran's piece at the W-R-A-L a TV outlet out of Raleigh during that uh, committee hearing state Senator Warren Daniel said, asking job applicants to state their views on diversity was a way for Democrats to make sure Republicans couldn't get state jobs anymore. See, and the way the media hears this like all cults and I know how that sounds, but it's true. Like all cults, you have an inner core and they know it's all a scam. They do right? the inner, you know, Cult leaders like Jim Jones, he may have believed he's the the second coming or whatever he believed, right? But he also knows that that he's doing all of this stuff, and he has to say all of these things. And at some point when it's like, oh, all right, I got to kill everybody now, it's like, oh, that didn't go the way I had it planned. So with all cults, you have your inner circle, right, the core, and then you have circles outside of that, concentric circles outside of that where you have, like, you know, people who are true believers uh, but but they're not brought in. They're enforcers, right? You and at the very outside, you've got sort of this crowd that just goes along because they just don't know any better. They think what they're doing is the right thing. They don't stop and question. They're not intelligent enough to question, or they don't know the right questions to ask. Right? They're trying to be devoted to the cause or to the philosophy. Right? And that's what this has around it. This, this, this DEI, this Marxism. That's and that's what it is. And James Lindsay will explain it here in a moment. The um, and I've gone over this for years now, talking about the roots of you know critical consciousness. This is not new. This is a century old, and the critical consciousness stuff, particularly with CRT, um, right? That that's been around since the '60s. So, and for the people, I remember when critical race theory, when people became aware of it during the pandemic, and what was the response from the left? They'd say, oh, it's not being taught in schools. Oh, okay, well, maybe just at Harvard. It's like this really, you know, esoteric kind of legal theory taught only in law school. Right, except they, they teach other people. Right, so it is being taught in schools, and it's being taught then and then replicated in other schools, in colleges. And those colleges... With these people that are that have now learned the critical pedagogy or method of teaching, they now infiltrate all of the other institutions, starting with the college system. Then they start writing curricula. They're very open about it. They talk about like uh, generative uh, consciousness, generative questions and examples. Here's one that was uh, off the top of my head. Here, you got uh, mom and dad uh, are taking you on a on a vacation and it's an hour away, you're driving 50 miles an hour, how long before you get to your vacation? Now, most people would hear that math problem and think, okay, let's see, 50 miles an hour, and it's an hour away, so 50 is going to take a little bit more than an hour. No, 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 no. So you're missing the whole point. This is a generative example. This is a generative pedagogy. We use that question to ask you about, well, who, who are your parents? What if, what if you're not in a car with mom and dad? What if your parents are dad and dad? Let's talk about that. See, it's, a, it's an opening. So when the activists get into these positions, they're able to then turn these questions and, and ask, well, you know, you're going on vacation. You know, not everybody can afford a vacation. Let's talk about your privilege. And let's talk about other people that don't have that privilege generative pedagogy that's how the, that's how it infiltrates that's the that's the mechanism right so when people talk about oh there's no curriculum for this i mean show me where i'm teaching this thing right well you're not saying specifically this is critical race theory no you're saying let's talk about this idea of mom and dad and you know not everyone has mom and dad some people have two moms Do you know why that is Well, they're, like me, a lesbian. And let me tell you all about my lesbianic behavior. No, like, stop talking to the kids about this stuff, right? And so Will Duran strikes me as the kind of guy who is in that outer ring of the circle. And so when he writes this story, he just, he, he can't figure out, like, why Republicans would be running this thing. They obviously must be, you know, trying to keep people from learning the real history quote unquote well i don't understand how would this stop republicans from getting state jobs just asking them if they believe in diversity and equity and inclusion standards and trainings and if you say no you don't believe in those things well why would you why would we want them working for us they obviously don't like diversity yeah either that or they recognize that this stuff flows from marxism so the uh north carolina state senate Overrode Governor uh, Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray, his veto of a bill that would prohibit state employers, state government agencies from requiring employees or job applicants to publicly adhere to an ideology, affiliations, ideals or principles regarding matters of contemporary political debate or social action as a condition of employment. And Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, they're like, oh, this is anti-DEI. And I would reply, "Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You want to call it anti-DEI? No problem. What is DEI? How is it practiced? What's the point of it? For folks who haven't even thought about it and you just assume diversity, equity, and inclusion means, you know, a lot of different people, um, all equal, and uh, everybody's included. We don't reject anybody. Okay? Yeah. This is, these are the word games that Marxists play, that leftists play, where the words mean the opposite of the thing that, it, that you think it means. And they do this on purpose, so this way they can, this is the Mott and Bailey approach, yet again, right, in debate, you make you make claims that are easily defensible, so nobody cares, and then you advance down to the Bailey, and you say, oh, let's say something crazy, all of a sudden people are like, well, that's crazy, they start opposing you, you then retreat to the easily defended Mott, the tower, right? Mott and Bailey, that's the technique. They do it in everything. Once you see it, you'll never not see it. So James Lindsay from New Discourses, equity, he says, equity is the goal. And what is that? Well, simply put, it is a rebranding of socialism. How do you know
1: this? What is socialism by definition? If you understand Marxist ideology, and I mean specifically Marxist socialism, if you understand Marxist ideology, you understand that Marx believed that capitalism would give into its own contradictions then the proletariat would rise up, seize the means of production, Mm -hmm. and they would create an administered economy where they redistribute uh, material resources, opportunity, etc., according to Marxist theory. So, in particular, people would be made equal. Shares would be adjusted so that people would be made equal. And this would be done by the proletariat. Equity is the same thing. Social equity is defined by H. George Fredrickson as Uh, compared against equality, as equality is when citizens A and B are equal, and equity is when shares are adjusted so that citizens A and B are made equal. In other words, you're going to have the seizure of the means of uh, distribution of resources, whether those are material or cultural, they're going to be redistributed to groups and then within, within the groups to individuals within those groups. And so you're going to have a redistributed economy where groups are made equal And presumably most individuals within those groups will be equalized by that mechanism. So equity means socialism. The only thing that's different is it's not purely economic. It now takes into account things like racial identity, sexual identity, gender identity, fat status, and so on. All these identity politics.
0: Right. It's just a different currency. But the outcome is still the same under a Marxist philosophy in economic terms, right? These decisions now, who gets what and how much, how do you decide that? Well, that would be administered by the party. And that's where the diversity and the inclusion comes in.
1: Diversity is not diversity, meaning looking different or having different backgrounds or different, uh, you know, gender, sex, sexuality characteristics. What diversity means is that Those characteristics are spoken to in an authentic way, which is defined by the neo-Marxist identity theories, whether that's critical race theory, gender theory, queer theory, or whatever else. So you are actually, under their view, not authentically diverse, because you're not representing your uh, diverse perspective authentically, unless you're speaking to it from a position that's adopted the critical theory, the Mm -hmm. relevant critical theory we see in policy documents all over, that diversity doesn't mean hiring for characteristics like sex, gender, race, et cetera, that means hiring for expertise in diversity. And if people happen to be of different sex, gender, et cetera, that's even better. Expertise in diversity means you've adopted the so-called unique structurally determined voice of color or voice of your identity. And therefore, you are actually speaking what the critical theory or the Marxist theory, Marxist identity theory, is saying that somebody who looks like you should be saying.
0: Okay, what is what does all of that mean? Make it real easy here. Clarence Thomas. Right? This is how you end up with leftists calling conservative and Republican blacks or gays. They call them sellouts, right? Because they're not, quote, authentic. What makes somebody authentically a fill-in-the-blank identity politics, right? What makes somebody authentically a fill-in-the-blank? is the ideology. And the the ideology is marxism. Because it's it's redistributive. You've got so the term privilege, right? That and 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 systemic racism, institutional racism, right? That there are hierarchies because this is marxism as well, that there are all these hierarchies of power. And so We need to level all of those things. And the first thing you need to do is make people constantly think in the terms of these power imbalances. And then when they think that they have a power disadvantage, they need to be elevated somehow. Well, who does the elevation? Well, you need some sort of organized, you know, cadre of people to do that. And who does that? The people who know the philosophy, the authentic party members. It's the ideology that makes you authentic in your demographic group. So if you are not, dare I say, awakened to the Marxist analysis of your race, your gender, whatever, then you're not authentic and you need to keep doing the work. Right? It's the installation of political officers inside bureaucracies. These are the diversity officers. And these DEI programs are in every facet of, like, every department in universities and in corporations. Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, Water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at com. That's com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? So diversity, equity, and inclusion, the industry under woke Marxism. It's pretty easy to understand, according to James Lindsay, writing at New Discourses. Equity is a rebranding of socialism, which is an administered economy that makes outcomes equal. Right? Diversity and inclusion are the tools that are used to install political officers and to censor and remove dissidents. That's what. The, so the so the E should really come first because that's the goal. Equity is the goal. D and I are the tools to achieve it. In other words, the woke Marxist DEI industry is a racket designed to install commissars for its ideology. Okay, and he breaks this down at his uh, website, New Discourses. That he put out a podcast a little while ago, uh, and he he's trying to do shorter because he does like very very lengthy in depth analysis and research, but he's trying to make these a little bit more uh, consumable, shorter shorter bites, right? So we went on over the, the equity, right, rebranding of socialism. Uh, the diversity part um, is, uh, you know, this is the thing where it's like, okay, we're going to use uh, people's adherence to the ideology as the tool to achieve the equity and to sort people out. Do You, you know, are you a true believer or not? And then inclusion, which is censorship and purges, which is the other half of installing a political party.
1: Inclusion means that people who are affected badly by these so-called power dynamics have to be made to inc- be included. Everybody else is believed to be automatically included. So ideas that might offend somebody who is in a so-called protected class must be excluded to promote an inclusive environment. Mm-hmm. Idea Pictures, uh, images, rocks... Anything in the world that might make somebody feel like they, they can associate through you know whatever, master bedrooms, for example, give people the idea of slavery even though they have nothing to do with slavery. The term was invented in the 1920s in a, in a catalog, a marketing catalog. And so anything that can give somebody the
0: idea of something
1: that feels like power dynamics has to be censored.
0: Purges come with this censorship even sort of proactively, right, ahead of time. The mere sight of, say, a white person at a graduation, right? Well, so you can't have that. So let's segregate people from each other to prevent harm, the harm of sharing the space. This is why you're seeing segregated spaces being promoted as inclusive when they are anything but, right? Oh, and the party officers, they get to make the decisions for the people. Hence, the vision of Marx, i.e., Communism, sometimes uh, a couple other terms are thrown in. Belonging is including uh, is included. Belonging is is inclusion plus positive affirmation. So it's not enough to not offend somebody, but you have to affirm them and their ideas. He tells the story about uh, whether it was Stalin or Lenin, where you know, like they're clapping and all the people are clapping and clapping and they clap for like 10, 15 minutes. And finally, the first person to stop clapping is dragged off and shot or imprisoned. Right. That's where this goes. That's where this goes because you have to affirm. You have to elevate. Yes, we celebrate you. Or this. how about this? Not correcting somebody because I don't want them to feel bad and I don't want to, you know, they got to feel like they belong. And by telling them that their engineering blueprints are wrong and that bridge is going to collapse, I uh, if I criticize them, then they're going to feel like they don't belong. And then justice. That's another one that's thrown in here as well. Justice is
1: communism. The quick explanation for that is Marx believed that if you install socialism and you administer this economy, eventually people won't know how to live without it. They'll see that it's perfect and beautiful. The contradictions will work themselves out through its uh, tribulatory installation phase, and then it will become the natural way of life for the entire planet in one giant commune. And so he said socialism will eventually become communism as it becomes the logic that everybody accepts and then the state will wither away, and you'll have a utopian, stateless, classless society. Justice is the parallel concept. Social equity, enforced long enough, becomes introjected morals that people can't get away from, and eventually we arrive at things like social justice or racial justice. The best way you can tell that this is what they mean is when you actually see something like criminal justice occur, right or wrong, when Derek Chauvin is uh, found guilty on three counts against George Floyd, the immediate response was, this is not justice, that was merely accountability. Accountability is a related buzzword, which means getting their way in the small scale. But uh, in the long range, justice only emerges after equity has been enf- enforced long enough so that it's spontaneous and just the way it is.
0: All right. Does that make sense? All right. When you start thinking in these terms, I know how it sounds. You sound, oh, are you the second coming of Joe McCarthy? Right. Well, no but we should listen to the to the marxists when they tell us how they're going to win control over the society which has been their stated goal since marx came up with this evil ideology so we should listen to them and what they talk about in the 60s was the you know well we didn't we couldn't do it through violent protests and riots and stuff we couldn't take it over by force a lot of people didn't agree with our ideas so uh, let's start training our comrades to then proceed through the institutions. Right? We take over. This was what's his uh, Paulo Freire or whatever his name is. Right? The, the that we take over the institutions and we put the activists in place to start training the next generations. And eventually, it will become it will become so normal the fish doesn't know it's wet. But this is the language they use. This is what North Carolina is trying to prevent. There's also another element at play here called TIV. I'll tell you what that means up next.